I also want to do maybe a little bit more small talk at the beginning of each show because I feel like people don't log on right at noon and sometimes we're mi- they're missing some of the beginning part. So what I was thinking maybe, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm listening. Actually, you can't hear me. I got it's muted. But uh, <laughs> I forgot that I have us both muted. But um, I was going to talk about last show each time. Oh, like a little recap? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Just to kind of do some small talk to give like a five-minute buffer. But For I the people like catching on? Yeah. I got you. 12 o'clock. Here we go. Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 38 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I thank you all for joining us uh, on this uh, Monday here in uh, February of 2021. Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. Great to be here. Kind of the frozen tundra of uh, central New York here. This is nuts, Thanks for uh, trucking in here to uh, do the thing. I took my life in my hands today. I mean, driving over here on these highways. The people appreciate it. At the speeds I drive is not a good combat. I, I'm just kidding. I slowed down. Yeah, I drive like a grandma all the time, even when it's not snowing. So, Do you? Yeah, I'm one of those. I could see that. I'm just trying to live forever. I, that's smart. I'm trying to get there in a hurry. Yeah. Wherever which it is. Are, which is why I do the fasting. I'm trying to live forever. What did like you think it. of the fasting interview from last week? Did you I like it? it? Yeah, it's good. She's good. Dr. Mindy, if you guys uh, didn't uh, check out last Monday's show, be sure to go back to the last episode, episode 37. We talk with uh, Dr. Mindy Pell. She is like a intermittent fasting guru, health guru. She gives us all the uh, breakdown of everything we need to know about fasting and how to live forever and be healthier and all that. So I thought it was informative. A little break away from, uh, I don't know, what we would call New York politics discussion. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it was, you know, it's the kind of thing that if you're not exposed to it, you don't really think much about it. But then as you learn more, you start to understand why it makes sense. What are the benefits? And ultimately, the trade-off is not that high of, all right, it's not going to eat breakfast. That's it. That's basically the key to intermittent fasting, everybody. Don't eat breakfast. Yeah, and it was, you know, it's it does sound crazy, like, oh, I'm fasting. Like, I'm not going to eat. Like, what? I'm not going to eat. But it's, in, in high, you know, it's it's not as daunting a task as it seems it is. And obviously the, the health benefits that have, you know, been discovered, uh, you know, the, the Nobel Prize was awarded uh, to some Japanese doctor discovering autophagy during this fasting. So uh, there are several health benefits for this. So it's not just a weight loss thing, but you can obviously get some benefits from weight loss, but go back and check out episode 37 uh, after you listen to uh, episode 38 here. So I'm also of the opinion, as you look back on everything we think we know about nutrition and dietary guidelines and everything else, and then you look at the state of health in our country and you're going, maybe we got some stuff wrong. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some pictures where they kind of show some beach pictures back in the seventies and there's just nobody, nobody is out of overweight. It's like very, very rare. It's weird. Right. It's It's almost like this is a new phenomenon of like this morbidly obese and it's a huge portion of our population. And you're going, yes, some of that is McDonald's and processed foods and all this other stuff. No argument. But listen, when I was a kid, I was taught that like eating pasta was really good for you and eating fats was bad. That was what was taught to me in school. And now I look back and all I can do is laugh about that of like, well, no wonder I was a chubby kid. Yeah, the food pyramid turns out to be a sham, all that stuff, right? So Yeah, there was even the one that said the the baseline study about how bad red meat for you is for you is is based on like a study that was done in an Italian town 
where they were like, these people don't eat meat and they live forever, but they tested them during Lent when they weren't eating any meat whatsoever and versus normal times. They're like, I actually know their meat consumption in a normal time period is way higher. I don't know how true that is, but it's fun. You know, I don't know why we're doubting scientists uh, anymore, but anyway. Yeah, weird, right? All scientists don't. Listen, it's science, and therefore we'll it get, is not up for debate. We'll get there. Let's, let's first talk about, uh, we had quite an eventful little morning in the uh, world of crypto. Eventful if you're new to crypto. This is just everyday, run-of-the-mill, daily uh, dip if you're uh, a uh, seasoned veteran of the crypto world. But um, Bitcoin and all the other cryptos uh, reached new levels. Uh, Bitcoin reached 58,000, 58,300 maybe someplace around there. Um, But this morning, as we were waking up here, uh, down to 46,000 for a blink. Uh, Right now, I think above my head, it says, what, 52? 3,000. I can't really see it right now, but uh, yeah, 53,000 something. Somewhere in there. Um, so very volatile day in the world of crypto. Uh, same thing with all the altcoins. You can see that they kind of tumbled right along with Bitcoin. That's kind of been my con- my conjecture, if you will, that the altcoins kind of rise in relation with Bitcoin and it needs Bitcoin to kind of be the catalyst for all these other altcoins. Um, and when it drops, everything drops. Um, but there are massive amounts of money invested into these cryptocurrencies, especially, especially and specifically Bitcoin. So those dips seem to last less and less, seem to be less deep and deep. Um, I think those institutions are just buying the dips quicker than the retail public. And I'm not sure there's ever going to be one of those uh, 40% dips anymore in crypto. I, I know you're relatively new to crypto. Seasoned Ethereum uh, investor you are. Sure. Um, any uh, hot crypto takes here in uh, today's uh Dip and bounce? I still have no idea what makes it go up and down. <laughs> I mean, not a clue. It's just like, oh, it's down by 11% today. I lost some money. All right, cool. I, like, I got nothing to say. I don't know. It's it's there. It's it's yeah. fun to watch. I think cryptocurrency in, is a... This is not investment advice. Don't take it as investment advice. I think cryptocurrency makes sense in the long run because I know how flimsy the dollar actually is. And I know how much we are just, what we are doing to the dollar might be perfectly fine with no downside whatsoever. It might be. I would fly in the face of all historical evidence and historical cases of when other countries have done this to their currency. Now, maybe it's different this time. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe all these economists and Keynesian economists are really just that much smarter. Maybe it's possible, but I'm looking back and thinking, man, hyperinflation, stock market going crazy, so much currency just being dumped onto the books, uh, equities and investment vehicles all just quadrupling in price and no real basis to uh, value any longer. Everybody's a speculator. Boy, there's a lot of lot of uh, correlations to draw, and I, I don't know that cryptocurrency is ever going to replace the dollar or gold or anything else. But I do think that human nature in the event of something like uh, hyperinflation or even devaluation of the currency or something is going to lead people into wanting to own cryptocurrency. So the idea is just be one step ahead of, all right, well, let's own some crypto first. And here's the reality. If it goes to zero, it goes to zero. I I don't have a clue what I'm doing with this. It's fun to watch. I enjoy it. I don't think it's going to go to zero. But if it did, I'll get right on the show and explain to you. I still have no idea why all my money's gone. Good job, Ben. Now it's down to fifty two thousand seven hundred. <laughs> Look at the influence I'm having. You are a you are a market mover. <laughs> um, I, you know, I I do. I think Bitcoin and crypto in general um, does 
serve as some kind of, I don't know if it's, I mean, I think people want it to be a hedge against the dollar or inflation or what, but I think maybe it was Dylan Radigan actually even said this. It's kind of like, to me, almost like a, an alarm, right? So it's a, everybody knows that there's something wrong with the dollar and I guess traditional indicators would be metals and, and whatnot, but, but everything is so distorted right now that I think people are just like, all right, this is the new thing that, you know, yeah, it's measured in dollars because, but you could conceivably trade back and forth Bitcoin to each other without ever going into dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that it ever takes over anything, but um, I do think that it is at least a, uh, at, at anything, a symbol of the times that we are in financially in this country and maybe the world. So it is um, the world and it is crazy. I think you're right though. I think that the people know that what's happening is not, is not right. And it's, it, you like there's this instinctual reaction of like man i don't know this seems crazy like you you think about i always go back to this example but the debt 10 years ago was 2 trillion or 3 trillion dollars and we thought that was completely unsustainable and now it's at 30 and we got people out here who are like this is no time to be a deficit hawk it feels kind of like a good time <laughs> If there, like, if there ever was a time right like maybe yeah no i think maybe this is you know as the ship sinking like this is no time to talk about lifeboats but when when was the time to talk about lifeboats yeah it's never the right time because it's inconvenient and nobody wants to hear that but i i do think people are drawn to that especially as you find out more information about how it's not i don't want to call it outward like corruption or illegality although i think there is some of that going on some of it is just it's too much centralized planning and handling by imperfect people with incomplete knowledge. And that's what you keep seeing. So my fear is that as you continue to do this and try to prevent any downside, like 2008, 2009 bailouts of all the banks, like that's a terrible idea. Now, now what's their incentive going to be moving forward? That was the genesis of Bitcoin in general. Right. I I mean, that was why the white paper was written. Right. And now it's a, all right. So people understand like thirty trillion dollars of debt is like you're not you're not paying that. Yeah, back. and I don't know if you know the number offhand, but some ridiculous number like twenty to fifty, or maybe it was. I can't remember what percentage of that was actually printed this year, but it was a distortedly high number. Like yeah. twenty percent of all dollars ever distributed were distributed in twenty twenty. So the Fed basically owns like I think it's now twelve trillion dollars of the debt. Like we owe the U.S. Federal Reserve twelve trillion. We owe, we owe ourselves debt you're saying it's amazing like this why don't we just write that off we own the social security <laughs> administration three trillion sorry folks but that's all been given over and loaned to the government it's right on it's right online you can look it up so it's just, it's not funny it's really actually scary but you can tell something is wrong because this doesn't make logical sense you can't just keep doing this and i'll say this again fraud is not wrong because it's illegal Fraud is illegal because it is wrong, because it's going to lead to worse things. And if you're fraudulently manipulating these things into an imbalanced or an unnatural state, that's going to have negative consequences. I don't know what they are. I don't think anybody really does. But historically speaking, what you usually get from this is either hyperinflation and a devaluation of your currency or economic stagnation for decades. Like there's not an upside to this. There's not a winning formula on your way out the door here. It's it's all bad options, and I think people are afraid of that, wary of that, at least aware of that now, whereas in years past they really haven't been. But like you're telling me, again, everybody's 
asking the wrong questions. Like the economists are like, well, we really need to worry about getting some inflation going because there's not enough. And I'm going, what? (laughs) Things aren't more expensive than they were 10 years ago. You're lying. And then you dig down and you start to realize like, oh, it's because when you're calculating GDP, you've changed the definitions of all of these things. Nobody wants to like bear down and read that part of it. But you're going, wait, what do you mean that my my house counts as an asset? Okay, I can get on board with that. Not only that, but any equity in my house that I can borrow against also counts as an asset. Uh, uh, what? Like, okay, so if I borrow money from a bank, that is not a liability. It's an asset, period. Interesting. I, I think I would have, you know, maybe done that differently. Yeah, well, that, that makes the banks work, so. Right, and... It's just crazy. Like this is the the more you learn about this and I know I'm boring people and I apologize, but you should look into this. It's crazy. And I think, I think maybe that's the silver lining of the crypto thing is so people get into Bitcoin because the price and the, the, the novelty of it. But then if you stumble upon to somebody who may have a little bit of reason why Bitcoin might have some value, like as you just laid out, you could educate and inform some people about the current status of the dollar and all things, you know, that relate to that and how it's uh, a house of cards in a lot of ways. So maybe there's a silver lining there. I, I don't know. Like we were talking about them going over to zero. Do you think uh, if a uh, crypto market collapses, say we're in, I don't know, 2025 and Bitcoin is like a dollar again, right? And all these, all these cryptocurrencies are pennies. Do you think wall street bets gets involved and starts jamming some of these things back? Yes. Up? <laughs> I love these guys. Like they're nuts and they're going to go do it. And they're going to just go and pump everything way up. And look, it's all dangerous because it's all speculation. So you got to know when to get out. And that's really the hard part that I don't think anybody really grasped, myself included. Even the most avid cryptocurrency proponent couldn't tell you with certainty, yeah, it's only going to go this high. I got to imagine every single person who's ever traded on something in their life has lost money at some point. So, yeah, if I you're mean, not, you're probably doing something your, illegal. Your last name is Madoff, right? Yeah, yeah so. like you you broke the law for sure because losing is losing is a part of of investing it's just you're gonna have temporary losses and you you know you sell them you hold them whatever you want to do but they happen i i love the cryptocurrency angle i find it to be very exciting i find it to be really fun to watch i don't mind the wild swings i don't mind all of this up and down back and forth like all right down 10 percent. let's go buy some more what the heck it's on sale yeah it's on sale what the heck let's go do that and it's the same basic premise as investing of I love the people that are like, well, why is a Bitcoin worth $53,000? Like, because somebody decided that it is. Somebody bought one at $53,000. Yeah, why is Apple worth $32 per share or $29 a share now? Because somebody decided that it is. And it's not, the problem isn't that cryptocurrency investing is not speculating because it absolutely is. It's speculating. It's all you're doing. It's not real investing. You're guessing, you're betting, you're gambling. The problem is the majority of investing on Wall Street has also become that. It is not like you invest in a company that you want to own and then they pay you a dividend for owning it forever. They can't do it that way anymore. Interest rates are too low. They're doing stock buybacks. The Fed puts money into into existence out of nowhere. It comes into existence. They go out. They generate all this money. They go buy corporate bonds. Okay, so you just loan money to these corporations. They then take the money that the Fed loaned them after creating out of nowhere, and they buy back their own stock and drive up the price. Why did the stock price go up? That's it. 
It's not because the company is inherently more valuable. It's not because they're inherently more profitable. It's because the company went, bought the stock on the market, therefore creating demand. That drives up the price even further because now the supply is lessened, the demand is greater. People want to go in and buy it because now there's momentum and now everybody loves momentum. And so they get on board with that. And it goes up further, and then the year end hits. Yeah. And guess whose compensation is directly tied to stock price? Every single person on the leadership team and the board of directors. Yeah, and like I said, when, when, when the Fed is you know giving out money at zero percent interest, they just borrow it and do exactly what you just said. So why wouldn't you? Right. What's the downside? No. I mean, well, well, there'll eventually be one. But well, we'll, yeah, but you're not going to be I mean, we, we, they won't suffer it, but we'll suffer it. Well, yeah, because then they, and this is the stupidity of bailouts again, of now you, these people do these things that are obviously, they're not illegal. It's not even really wrong. No, just let them suffer the consequences when they fail. Right. Just let them actually fail when they fail. And that's that's what nobody wants to acknowledge of, or I shouldn't say that. I think most people actually have come around on the idea of bailouts is wrong, but let's be very clear. They're going to bail them out again when this happens, but I don't know that they're going to have the capacity to because you're now, you usually only print and spend money in times. I mean, they've been bailing them out pretty much weekly. Straight through. Straight. I mean, it's, 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 it's you won't, you'll never get a TARP thing again because they changed the rules so it doesn't have to go through Congress anymore. They can just give them the money. Yeah, so. And that's what they're doing, which is, yeah. again, I know this, this subject matter is kind of boring and I know it's really dry. If you dive into the weeds just a little bit, you will be both fascinated and horrified by what we are doing every single day with the amount of money that is just pencil, or excuse me, computed into existence. We're not even bothering to print it anymore. We're just de de declaring it exists on a computer and writing the code. Yeah, buy in the Fed and read that book and start there. That's a great book. And it is, and I, listen. I, it's short, it's easy, like you get a good gist, and it's it'll lead you to the next thing. And it's it's worth knowing because. And it's 10 years old. It is 10 years. That's what I mean. That was, that was when he was all upset that that was at $3 trillion. It looks like so childish now, <laughs> but it's, we should have been worried about a $3 trillion debt. Listen, the 3 trillion is a three with 12 zeros after it. Write that number down. That's what we owed somebody 10 years ago. Now all we did is added another zero in 10 years. Where are we going to be 10 years from now? Are we going to stop spending? Are we uh, like, oh no, we're going to raise taxes. Listen, I, I promise you, if you are thinking of raising taxes, you're not paying attention to how many different taxes you're currently paying. Because it's not just your income tax. It's not, it's not just your FICA tax. Like, if you want to own a business, especially in New York State, you've got to pay uh, – Listen, never mind all that. You've got to pay the other half of the FICA, which is 6.2% plus another 1.25, plus your disability, plus FMLA, plus mandatory sick leave is now on the books. And then you've got it – everything you do, you pay tax on. Sales tax is 8.75%. Do you know how much tax you pay on a gallon of gasoline? You want to know why the price is so high? It's not rocket science. How about sin taxes on cigarettes and alcohol? You want to know why everything's so expensive? It's because there's literally a tax on everything that you ever want to do to fund this obscene, obscene government that is so large now, it's unbelievable. I, I, how is this government funded with this many people? It's bananas. So let's... Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Yeah, I got, well, I got that's okay. My it's bad. informative. It was all good. Uh, before we switch to a much more entertaining topic, before you guys leave this video, you should all hit the like button on the video. That helps us get into the uh, algorithm there and uh, gets us into the search engines for Google. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel and then hit the notification bell so you're alerted when we get uh, or when we post new content, you'll be alerted. Um, and we appreciate that. So... 
For a more entertaining topic, Hunter Biden's laptop has made a reappearance. Where is Hunter Biden? Who knows where Hunter Biden is? He, he gave a speech on Election Day, right? Or released a press release, something? Did he really? A couple days. I don't know. It was on, the Biden's, on Biden's presidential webpage. He put out like a statement. That was the last anybody had seen him. Then he said he was going to be an art guy or something. He's going to go paint. But anyway, so the shop owner of the Delaware computer store, I think it was, um, previously had sued Twitter and then it was uh, dismissed because of jurisdiction, but has re-sued or filed a separate or a second lawsuit against Twitter for defamation, um, basically because Twitter you know, blocked the New York Post story claiming that the source of the material, Hunter Biden's laptop, was a hacked uh, it was went against Twitter's hacked uh, information policy. So, uh, you know, the assertion by the shop owner is that the uh, the, the Twitter ban um, or or the Twitter painted his business in a bad light and he is no longer in business. Uh, and so he's suing. I don't know. I think it was like 500 million from Twitter there. I'm not sure that where this lawsuit goes, but I found it entertaining that Hunter's lap, Hunter Biden's laptops remains in the news. Mr. Hughesung. This was so painfully obvious from the very beginning of when this came out. There was two parts of this that, in my opinion, were blatantly obvious. Number one was that Rudy Giuliani did not stumble into the into possession of that laptop in the way that he said. There was absolutely some more nefarious means behind it. There was money that changed hands and everything else. I'm convinced of that. Number two, that was absolutely, truly, and really Hunter Biden's laptop. It was not hacked. It was not, it, it was not illegally gotten. It was, and maybe it was illegally gotten, I don't know. But either way, it was, it, that hard drive was Hunter Biden's. It, it is inarguable. If anybody wanted to debate that, I would encourage you to go, go look at what was on the laptop. Don't, don't go too deep. But you, you can see there's pictures, there's very personal videos, there's very inappropriate videos, there's drug use, there's erotic activities, there's... I got no words, but I assure you it was Hunter Biden's laptop. There, there's no yeah, debating there's, that point. Yeah, no. And like I said, I, you know, they're, he's watching an apology and a retraction and whatnot. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Like I said, there's, there's, I'm still waiting for actually more information to come out on what Hunter Biden's laptop is. Um, not necessarily what he's doing in his own personal time with potential relative, but a, uh, more about the stuff that was going on with his business dealings, uh, specifically in China. Um, yeah. Why are we not investigating that? I don't know. Like, what is wrong with us? Honest to God, like, well, we just forgot that this happened. Maybe you should write a suggestion, put a suggestion box in the Department of Justice. I mean, I'll send them a, I'll send them a note. I'll just be like, hey, guys, remember how you had a, an actual whistleblower that said Joe Biden has illegal business holdings and dealings in China, and he had emails and multiple cell phones? Remember Tony Bobolinsky? Is that his name? Tony Bobolinsky. Bobolinsky. Bevin Cooney. Bevin Cooney emails. Remember all that, where you had actual evidence that our current commander-in-chief has some at least at least some possibly I mean, he's the big guy so apparently that runs in the family he's the big guy and he's got some illicit and un i'm gonna tell illegal illicit and damaging politically activity going on in china and now you know conveniently enough he just rescinded an, ex an executive order that was blocking china from accessing and providing equipment for the united states power grid hmm. well, that's not concerning no. that's fine I mean, oh, yeah, and somebody explained it to me as, uh, well, Bill Gates has this new semiconductor or something like that that's, like, unhackable, but he, he only wants China to be the one building it because of the labor. Like, mm. so it's not, 
not the, the labor in like Cambodia wouldn't be good or, or Vietnam or Indonesia. I, I listen, I get the American labor is probably too expensive and I, I understand that. Also on a separate note, why are people so trusting of Bill Gates on everything? He's so smart. He looks smart. Oh my God. Everything. It doesn't, oh, Bill Gates wants to do it. Obviously like, uh, what? No, 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 no. Let's not do that. I'm like, oh, it does great work on vaccines. Yeah. Go, go check out the carnage in africa from the vaccine trials of the bill and melinda I mean, you don't think it's a good idea for him to own all the farmland in the country i mean what would be at all concerning about that i don't know food yeah no he's he, well he just said no more beef we all should be eating synthesized beef that seems natural yeah hmm. ah, that'll be healthy don't worry about a thing well yeah let's just blindly well bill gates wants to do it oh cool never mind well, why don't I, you lead with that no uh let's move away uh kind of pseudo uh Bill Gates, and talk a little bit about COVID here. Um, we are seeing a massive drop in cases all over the all over the country, even all the world. Um, so much so uh, that Johns Hopkins professor has come out and claimed that uh, the U.S. is going to reach herd immunity by April. Uh, in large part, he's kind of done some uh, some of his own math where he did, uh, I think his math was something like 15% vaccination, which maybe it's a little bit less than that, combined with the... Uh, uh, his assertion, I think, was like 34% of people had already had it, plus uh, T-cell immunity. and brought him, he thinks that, you know, we're all going to be uh, herd immunity levels uh, here in six weeks. What say to you, Ms. Dr. Hughesong? Probably. Unsurprisingly. It's as a- predicted by all available data. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, it's, I mean, I, I hope they're right, I guess. I mean, I hope he's right. I hope that. Uh, it's not guaranteed. With that. You know, not only just being right, though, I hope that <clears throat> we start relaxing some of these rules with this. I mean, it doesn't really do us any good if we're all herd immunity and we're still masked up and staying six feet away and there's no schools and there's no businesses, there's no nothing. So hopefully this is just a another kicking open of the door for us to actually get our moving again. I mean, this we are way past time for, for us to be moving. And like I said, if, the, if this serves as some kind of a catalyst to, to get that, you know, fine by it. But I... It's encouraging to hear. I mean, I I'm, I'm I saw a little bit of pushback on it, saying he doesn't really know what he's talking about. But um, you know, he's a Professor at Johns Hopkins. I'm sure he's got some information. He's not just randomly throwing it out there at us. So I mean, he's not Bill Gates. No. So automatically, like two demerits. You think he wears glasses? I, I just looked at his picture a few minutes ago. I don't think so. Okay, but I can't remember. Um, but encouraging, right? Yeah. Listen, this is the stupidity of the discussion that we always have around COVID. Is like, well. Maybe if we get to herd immunity, we can lift the restrictions. No, we should lift the restrictions right now. You want to know how I know that? We started wearing masks a year ago, 10 months ago. New York State has been compliant with mask mandates uh, over 90%. Uh, Over 90% of the people always wear a mask in public. And even think about your day-to-day life. I go out a fair amount. I wear a mask. I know how stupid it is, but I wear it anyway, and that's fine. Do you know how many times, literally since... Let's go with June of last year. You want to know how many people I have seen inside of a store or anywhere else outside of present company included? Well, I mean, I haven't seen you in public without a mask on. Uh, I've seen you here in all summer, all summer. But where were you going? Oh, Uh, when you were attending bar. I was working when you were working without a mask. Yes, that's fine. (laughs) All right. I said minus present company, minus present company, but everywhere except a private country club, Uh, generally public available areas. I've never, I don't see anybody without a mask on. Like, if I do, I'm like, wow, look at you. Give me a tip of the hat. Yeah, even at Wegmans, where they've already kind of made it abundantly clear of, like, yeah, we don't think we can enforce this, so we're not going to. We want you to. We're going to put a sign up, but if you come and, like, you know, go caring on somebody for not wearing a mask, we're not going to do anything about it. 
All right, cool. Even in Wegmans, I don't see anybody without a mask on. So we've had well in excess of 90% of compliance with masks, and that's no, that's not my opinion. That's looking at the actual data and the surveys that have been done. And in that time frame, cases went up, went down, went way up, and then came way down. What, what did we do? And so then they came out like two masks. Like we haven't even established correlation, and you are jumping to causation. You haven't even shown that there's been a corresponding drop in cases when masks happen, but you're already claiming that it's because of masks. This is nuts. Same with school. Look at Florida versus New York. You want to know a fun, fun story? They have very similar curves. Florida's doing better. But they have very similar curves when we have everything shut down and they have nothing. North Dakota and South Dakota is another great example. One has full on, everything is closed. The other one is, eh, be smart. Almost the exact same curve everywhere you go. So the problem is, the question should not be, hey, can we lift the restrictions when we get herd immunity? Here's my honest question for anybody. What good are the restrictions doing? What measurable evidence do you have? that says closing businesses, closing schools, wearing masks, and social distancing is having any real-world impact on the spread of COVID-19. They don't, but it feels good. Right. But instead, you just want credit for trying, which, okay, cool. But let's dial it down because it's not happening. It's not working anywhere in the world that you're doing this. I'm, it's just not. Think about how different life would have been, and this is something I was, I was discussing this over the weekend. Let's go back to last March. And let's just say initially we panicked, but instead of coming out with a mask mandate, and you and I discussed this on the show at that point, what if they just said, all right, here's what they're going to be. There's apparently a relationship with vitamin D deficiency and higher rates of infection, which would make sense as a coronavirus, as a SARS type virus, that 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 would be a correlating indicator. There's no real downside to having everybody take vitamin D supplements. So especially if you live in an area of the country that doesn't get a ton of sun this time of year, i.e. the Northeast, go out and buy vitamin D and start taking it. We can't stress this enough. Everybody should be taking vitamin D. Go take vitamin D. Yes, there would have been a run on vitamin D. All right, life goes on. So you get vitamin D. It's just be smart about it. Take one or two a day and keep doing that. And that'll be, and now, Anybody over the age of 65, let's go ahead and start treating you with hydroxychloroquine prophylactically. Even if we're not going to fully recommend it, we're going to allow doctors to do it because there's some data from all around the world indicating that it's actually having a pretty good effect, not necessarily as a prophylactic, but in the event that you get it, you're guaranteed to take the hydroxychloroquine on day one or day two of your infection, thereby leading to better results. If we had done those two things, how different would life be right now? Yeah, it'd be totally different. It, it, it would be night and day. Yeah. The death counts would all be way lower. The infection rates would be lower, and every and it would have been fine. I don't care about the number of cases. I think it's the most irrelevant statistic known to man. The same reason I don't care about how many people get the flu every year or how many people get whatever other virus every year. I care about how many people are dying from the virus. How many people are dying that would not have died without this virus? Sorry, but if you had stage 4 liver cancer and you died in June instead of July... I don't mean to sound like cold-hearted, but it's not something I'm going to shape public policy on is preventing that. So instead, it's how many actual deaths. And the reality is when you take into account suicides, accidental deaths, overdoses, preventable deaths from people not getting treatment, we've done so much harm. And I'm not saying that vitamin D and hydroxychloroquine would have stopped all of it. It wouldn't have. But there was a time we understood you can't stop an aerosol virus from spreading. Not in any meaningful way. 
You can't. Once it's in there, once it's on the ground, it is going to find hosts and it is going to spread. Because reality is the social distancing shouldn't have been six feet. If, you, if you're serious, all right, if you're not virtue signaling and you really want to do this, masks will work. You need an N95 that's been properly fitted to you that you've got to change out the filter on regularly. Number two, if you're going to wear a regular mask, it's not, no matter what you do, going to have a huge impact. But if you're not changing it out every 20 minutes, it's actually making things worse. And you have to keep it sterile. So you can't throw it on the passenger seat of your car. You can't throw it in your pocket. You can't mess. It, you can't set it down on a bar while you sit down to have a drink. Nope. All of that thing corrupts the mask, makes it worse. Well, all these places have biohazard trash things for masks now. So right. No, they don't. Oh, yeah. No, I've never seen one. And you know Zero. where I see them instead? All over the parking lot of everywhere I go. Awesome. We're doing a great job, everybody. No, like I said, the, the, the masks, again, they, they were literally, I feel like, just they were going to try to ask for a sacrifice of everybody. And that's what they've been doing for a year. You know, it's all been these things. Oh, just, just, you know, just do a mask. It's, it's, you know, there's no harm. There's no fire. It's just two weeks, right? It was like, Oh, we're just two weeks to, to, to flatten that curve. Like, Oh, it's just going to be one holiday, one Easter, one Christmas, you know, one, one holiday. Just, 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 you know, skip it for, for the better of all human kind, whatever. Like just take the vaccine. It's all, these are all sacrifices by people that seemingly for a thing that doesn't really matter. Like it, 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 it matters to, we know who it matters to people over the age of 75. And yet we called basically our whole world for everybody minus the people that were 75. So like, you know, I, I hope humanity just is, is again, this catalyst that ends the lockdowns because the devastation that's been caused by the lockdowns is going to last for decades. And we're, we're only going to be able to count the numbers in hindsight, and they're going to be way higher than anything we possibly could have uh, dealt with through COVID here in 2021. For sure. It's, and not only that, it's, it's not just masks. Social distancing at six feet is completely arbitrary. The actual number is like 25 feet. If Especially with a mask. Right. If you're not staying 25 feet away from somebody, you're not doing anything. It's not actually helping. It's not, not in any meaningful way. And I, I mean, I'll draw back to this, co- this example again. It's like wearing a bicycle helmet when you're buckled into a car. Like, is it safer? I, I guess. But it's so low on the list of things that are going to prevent it. Just because you have the bike helmet on doesn't mean that you should go get hammered and drive 90. It's not, still not smart. Like, you can't, you can't stop some of this, but it's all just, well, look at how good I am. And, and I, I'm a good person because I always wear a mask and, and socially distance. Great. I don't. I, listen, I, I wear a mask whenever I am required to. I don't go and argue with anybody. Fine. I'll put the mask on. I know how dumb it is. I don't care. I think it's idiotic. It's all of these things in succession that everybody keeps doubling down on as soon as it comes out, and we no longer even ask questions. That is what is so bad. How did people just stop, you know, all just flip it when the two mask thing came out? Like, that should have been it's the, the funniest that, thing that should have been the thing, right? Like, life. No, we're going to go to two masks. So you basically admitted that one mask didn't work because we need a second mask. But everybody just bought in anyway. Like, oh, two masks. Did you see what they did for the science behind two masks? Uh, I don't want to know. It think. was, they put them on dummies. <laughs> There's not even, let alone real world, actual human trials. There weren't even laboratory trials of human beings when they came out with like, science. See, here we go. But all of this stuff is... Listen, you want to know why I'm skeptical about taking a vaccine? Because there's no reason for this vaccine to exist. This didn't need to get to this point to begin with. And it's not as if, well, you know, obviously we know that now. No, that is what the data indicated all along the way if you cared to look at it. It was there. Most of the stuff that's that's coming to realization now from a lot of these people was known in May. Yeah, it was known in May. 
It was, and I'm not. And some people knew before then, but like most yeah. people had kind of digested everything, had kind of like taken a step back and was like, okay, wait a minute, this is not exactly what we were signed up for here, and things are are way different, and the policies never changed, even though the data was significantly different than it was in in, in early March specifically, um, and, and through early April. So. Again, it's not a compliance issue. People are complying. People are doing what you're asking them to do. It's the simple reality of you are asking everybody to do a rain dance. And then when it doesn't rain, you're blaming the one guy out of 10 that sat it out. No, it's because you don't understand what's actually causing this. That's the problem. And if you don't understand what's actually causing it, all you're doing is actually creating more harm in your rush to be the one that says I solved the problem. And it's so, so awful for so many people. Look, it's so, and it's worse too. Like, never mind the economic destruction in the short run of these businesses and everything else. The COVID, we went from $20 trillion to $30 trillion of debt in one year as a country. We cannot pay that back. It is not possible. It's not in reality. It's so damaging. It's, it's hard to actually fathom how many people are going to suffer as a result of this. And again, going back to May, yes, there was one study that came out that said, see, Kids spread it just as easily as adults, and I got that shoved into my face probably about a thousand times. And I laughed. I said, no, nah, I've read it. Did you? Well, no. Yeah, I read the article. No, no, no. Did you read the study? Well, no, I don't need to read the study. I'm not a scientist. Oh, okay, cool. So you're just going to shove your kid to stay home and support that, even though the data that this is based on is so flawed that there is no way it could have ever been falsified. They have no way of knowing if this is right. It's just a theory. But here's six other studies that all show kids don't spread it. Uh, I don't have time for your nonsense. Right. No, my science is fake. Yours is real. Got it. No, it's if you looked at all of the data, and I'm not telling you anything would have been a guarantee. I'm telling you what the evidence indicated as a percentage. And if you would have played the odds, if you would have played the 99% rule instead of the 1% exception from May, we would have had everybody taking vitamin D. We would have had proper hand washing going on. We would have had older people on hydroxychloroquine, even in a prophylactically, or even if we weren't going to do that, at least not outlawed it, at least not banned its use in multiple states as as a drug to do this. I'm not making up this data. You have to look at the data outside of America where doctors actually treated with it. It made a huge impact. Maybe it's all correlation. Maybe there is absolutely no causation. Be a hell of a coincidence with a lot of consistency. Either way, there's been all these other drugs that have proven, I don't want to say proven, that have indicated some success in helping against COVID-19. We ignored all of them. And now we have a vaccine that doesn't even prevent the spread, and people are championing that as the reason we're at heard of, that we're stopped that cases are down seventy percent because ten percent of the people got a vaccine that doesn't block you from spreading the virus. That's why cases are down. I did see Pfizer release a statement saying that they thought that there there was eighty nine point four percent effective rate of keeping it from spreading in their vaccine. I think that was yesterday or today. That was in Israel, and it's the funniest. Again, this is not science. This is such nonsense. It's crazy, but as soon as you feel like, well, Pfizer said so, everybody's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's science. And it's just confirmation bias. If you came out, now the problem is this. If I asked you last February, not you because I know where you stand, but if I asked the average person out there and said, all right, here's what we're going to do to fight COVID-19. We're going to basically shut down bars and restaurants or limit their capacity for the next at least 13, maybe 18 months. We're also going to invoke, make everybody just work from home. And we're going to keep most schools in the country, at least partially closed for at least this whole school year into the spring at a minimum. Um, And we're probably still going to have 450,000 people die 
cool. I'm not signing up for that. Of course not. You didn't like, no. But now the problem is this is how confirmation, you, nobody wants to acknowledge they were wrong. It's easier to fool somebody than to get them to realize they have been fooled. We got sold a bill of goods that was just false. This is snake oil. This is literally we got sold on all of this stuff, and now the people that have bought it, hook, line, and sinker, from day one, cannot back out of the position. You are so committed to this position now that to come back out and say, not only did we get it wrong, it was the worst plan we could have possibly done because not only did we have zero impact on the spread of COVID, we actually caused more deaths in younger populations that, had, that were not at risk whatsoever. That's what we did. We actually caused more suicides, more overdoses, more deaths by anxiety, stress, heart attack, and everything else, more deaths of isolation than we ever even came close to stopping in the population over the age of 75. That's the trade-off we made. Yeah, and so transitioning locally here, this is the backdrop of the whole, you know, Cuomo's tenure as governor this last year and a half has been uh, leading us through this uh, pandemic, uh, winning an Emmy along the way, writing a best-selling book along the way. Um, Now he's being taken down pretty much by anybody who has ever, you know, he's ever looked at sideways, uh, seems to have come out of the work here and tried to uh, pile on the uh, governor's uh, issue here. So recapping, we have the Finally, we got some numbers uh, about nursing home deaths. Uh, Two things that the state had been uh, misleading about was the number of patients that they had sent back into nursing homes that with positive, uh, you know, that were sent back from uh, hospitals back into nursing homes, which I think was went from something like 5,000 to 9,000. And the total number of deaths reported um, from the nursing homes went from something like 8,500 to 15,000. So both these numbers created a appearance, uh, a backdrop for our governor to kind of come out on a daily uh, basis and uh, do his own little mini podcast himself here with his press conferences and tell us how great he's been doing and how great New York is. And in hindsight, he's been a train wreck. Um, you know, we, we've discussed all of the things why New York is not, uh, uh, shouldn't get necessarily a pass for being first or the biggest or the most populated and all that stuff. Um, ben can go into more of that later if we need to. But this is all basically an extension of what we just talked about, right? So we, we're, under, we're under this lockdown that we don't even know why we're being locked down anymore. And then we got our, our, our leader out here who's uh, being praised by at least half of the state, which is still crazy to me but his clearly not was not a leader, right? I mean, this was something that, you know, he failed pretty much from the beginning um, and maintained his press conferences because he was hiding data and made himself look even better and became the darling of the media because he was the anti-Trump, uh, because he could uh, uh, present better than Trump. I don't know if that's the exact reason, but I heard somebody saying, well, you know, I know he was lying, but at least he was out there doing press conferences. And I was like, well, why bother if he's out there just just because he's moving his lips? Like, that's a good thing. Like, what are we doing? So we have this cover-up going on. Um, Dad is coming out daily. Uh, he's getting pushback from uh, the Republicans for, for months. Uh, but now even his own party uh, is coming back. Uh, they're trying to remove his emergency powers or at least curtail them. They're trying to, I don't know, they should just remove them. But I think there's some uh, cockamamie idea that they could uh, have like a, a secondary, they could... Uh, approve of any of his 
executive orders before they became into place, but they should just remove his powers and do their job. Um, there's talk of impeachment. Uh, we don't have a recall mechanism in New York. Uh, there's call for, re- for him to resign. I don't know that any of those things are going to happen. We got a quite, quite a nice little, uh, I don't know. I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. So maybe a few more weeks of this Cuomo uh, stuff. What do you have any uh, hot takes on, uh, on your governor? Yeah. He didn't mislead the people about the numbers of infections or the number of deaths. He lied. Sure. They, it wasn't like a misleading, like, oh, just don't look over here. They they released data they knew to be false. And bragged about it. Right. And then bragged about it, even though they knew they were counting deaths differently than everybody else. This goes right back into what I was saying. Like, this is incontrovertible proof that this guy lied. And he was, his executive order was responsible for, I think the number was about a thousand deaths. For the Empire Center, yep. Yep. Through the Empire Center, it's a think tank out of Albany. A thousand deaths can be traced back to this executive order that not only <laughs> he keep in force for six weeks, he then said after he started getting fired, he had the Department of Health investigate itself. And they were like, no, no, nothing wrong. We followed all the Medicare and Medicaid services. Uh, I don't remember their name, but the, whoever the leader of the Department of Medicare and Medicaid services came out like, nope, that wasn't what we said at all. Not even close. All right, well, swing and a miss on that one. Then it was, well, nobody even went in that was infected because the median time that somebody returned to the nursing home was nine days, and the CDC thinks you're only infectious for, like, seven, or, like, three or four. Oh, really? Why are we quarantining for two weeks, then? That's fun. Well, never mind that inconsistency. Also, median means the number in the middle of a set. So since we know some people were in there for 15, 20 days before they went back, That also means there are some people that were in there less than a week and then went back to the nursing home. So, again, outright lie, easily detectable if you're paying any sort of attention whatsoever. And the other one was, well, that wasn't really the rule. Sorry, what? That that wasn't real. That was just in case nursing homes got overwhelmed and or hospitals got overwhelmed, and they never did. So it was never really the rule. Uh, did Did you bother to tell any of the nursing homes or the hospitals that? Because they did it. They followed your order. And as it was happening, not one person on your team went, Hey, guys, no, 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 no. Don't do that. That's crazy. That's not the rule. No, you're like, well, if they they, don't have the PPE, that's on them. Yeah, and there was several of those places that came out and basically immediately raised the red flag and said, hey, this is not a good idea. So it wasn't like it was unknown. There was known the day it was executed. So Yeah, it was was a bad – I would have understood if they tried it for a week out of fear of overwhelming the hospital systems. I would have understood. Honest to God, I would have. But the problem is that, look, hindsight is twenty twenty, and this is one of the things that we should be paying attention to of how bad New York did. The worst thing New York did, I guess it's not definitively true, but again, there's a whole lot of correlation, was way too aggressive use of ventilators and respirators early on at way too high of a, of a setting, grouping patients together with no, no separations whatsoever, And the biggest thing that we did wrong in our state was we took a blanket approach and we acted as if this was the same exact threat to everybody. So then any data that came in to support that, everybody jumped onto immediately and said, see, it really is everybody. See, it really is everybody. Like, no, one person at 35 dying from COVID is not the same as a thousand people over the age of 70 dying of COVID. This is a one, you're going to get exceptions every now and then. You don't base public policy on the exceptions. You base it on the biggest thing. You are triaging. It is not an equal threat. 
It's not close to an equal threat, and people did not grasp that because they were being directly misled by the governor in his daily press briefings, by Dr. Zucker, the head of New York State Department of Health, even by Dr. Fauci of, like, this is wrong. What we were told was false, and it was demonstrably false when they were saying it. It was false then. It didn't end up being true. They're like, well, we got to just keep trying of... Well, why don't we try something that's not horribly invasive and harmful? Let's start there and then work our way up to the awful things that are going to cause more deaths. Why did we go right to this? Yeah, we had, we had uh, I don't know if a culprit or a complicit is the right word, but uh, our local senator here, who uh, Senator Rachel May, who is the chair of the aging committee, had multiple opportunities to issue subpoenas to Howard Zucker. And in the most recent request, basically said, did not, I, she said, I don't see the point. So... She's calling for the strip or curtailing of the emergency powers from Cuomo now in hindsight, but like she had the ability to actually put some light on the information and chose not to do so. So I, you know, taking away the emergency powers at this point should be so painfully, obviously the right thing to do that I can't believe it's even a discussion. It's not a bold take. I'm sorry. This guy lied and covered up his crime. He absolutely, the cover-up was the crime. Like he, you can make the argument that by filing the, the Department of Health report, that was filing a false instrument because it was, it was, it was blatantly false. The most obvious one was they knew they were counting nursing home deaths differently than every other state and still cited that data as evidence that they were doing it better than anybody else. They knew that it was different. They cited it anyway to directly mislead the public. That aside, they knew this all happened. And they came out and lied to your face about it every single day for months. There was no arguing. There was no gray area for them to hide in. This was blatantly lying to you every single day to cover up the bad data. Because ultimately, if you looked at the data for real, in real time, what you would have understood was, keep in mind, they didn't find an additional 7,000 nursing home deaths from people that were alive. Nope. They found 7,000 additional nursing home deaths that had been classified as hospital deaths. So the hospital death number dropped by 7,500 as the hospital deaths went up by 7,000. I'm sorry, not 7,500, by about 7,000, 6,500 to 7,000. That data is important because, again, I've hit on this so many times, and I apologize for repeating myself. Nursing home, assisted living, all that stuff. That population is less than 1% of the overall population of the country, of the state. It's less than 1%. So in less than 1% of the people are accounting for 60% plus of the people dying, it's almost like you know where to start. But instead we got this, everybody, everything was fear, and please, I, I don't... And where I think it matters most is that the New York variant is the one that spread across the U.S. So that's the one that we should have had the most information on, and our governor was hiding the information. So the, the, the data was being distorted as it was being spread across these other states as they were, as the same variant of the, what was in New York was spreading. Those, they, those new states, didn't, those new areas didn't have the information or accurate information that they should have been getting from New York the whole time. And so they still did better. Sure. And Cuomo it, came out blamed Trump. Like, he didn't give us the information. Like, well, did he give it to the other 49 states? Because, forgive my language, but you're getting your ass kicked over yeah. here. And like I said, you know, and anybody who questioned Cuomo the whole time was basically made out to be, made it political, right? So, and to- Do you remember to, when Cuomo came out and said to Florida, you played politics with the virus and you lost? Yeah. I, 
I mean, that it, should be a bumper sticker. It's amazing. I mean, listen, now Florida's elderly population is larger than New York's. You know what the advantage Florida, honest to God, had, though, was? Sun. Sun. They have way more vitamin D exposure. Do you think it's a coincidence of timing that all the cases started dropping right around the time that the sun came out and was brighter and people came outside again? Are you saying it's seasonal? You know, like every other... You're going to get banned. Like every other SARS virus in existence or every other coronavirus. you canceled. Yeah, it's weird to think that might be a possibility. But no, no, no. Your guys are right because you have science. Even though it, it, none of the things that you're predicting have come true. None. Not one. And so, and speaking of making a politics, right? So now we get, and we didn't, I don't think we've touched on this aspect of the cover up, uh, or especially not in detail anyway. But so when in the budget, not only did our governor uh, remove the Libertarian, Green Party, and Independence Line from uh, participating in New York politics in the budget for some reason, <laughs> side note, sorry. He also, he also included, uh, these legal uh, shielding of the uh, large part, of the executives and, and much of the, uh, the hospitals from the Greater New York Hospital Association from legal responsibility from COVID, right? So this was the backdrop of this whole thing. Not only did Cuomo send all these people into these nursing homes that shouldn't have been sent there, then he shielded those facilities from legal liability from anything that happened from COVID, right? Like this was pushed back on a little bit in the budget, but because it was in the budget, everybody needed to pass the budget. They just passed it. Um, and this is being, this was actually reported in May. So it's not new. Um, and David Serrata, who is a, uh, who I would call a progressive uh, journalist. I don't know if he would call himself that, but I think he was a Bernie, Bernie guy. So, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll say that, um, you know, he's coming at Cuomo from the left, um, and he's done it multiple times. So it's not like this is, I mean, you can call it political all you want, but he's in the same party as, as the governor. So um, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, how much, I think there was something like 2.3 million, I think, given to Cuomo in 2018 governor race. Um, so two years later, he's given all these people immunity from uh, uh, prosecution. So I, I don't think that should be, Understated. I think that there is a uh, clear conflict of interest that has been established by the governor insulating these places from damage that he probably contributed to damage to. It's it's like the the most shady part of the whole thing is that he just basically shielded the uh, uh, large part, the Greater New York Hospital Association, from liability. It looks bad. I, it does like this is this is not a good look. I remember having a discussion with somebody when this first started, and I brought up the idea of like, yeah, he gave he gave uh, liability protection to the nursing homes, and the guy's like, you can't. Nursing homes can get sued for anything. I guarantee you, they're all going to get sued and they're all going to lose. I said, no, you don't understand. They can't be. If your loved one died of COVID, and speaking of things, if you wanted incentive on labeling all deaths as COVID deaths, if you can't possibly be sued. You're going to be a little more inclined to, to classify COVID? Yeah, let, let me read a couple uh, lines from this uh, David Serrata article um, that I just shared with you guys. So um, these are just a couple facts. He's got a list of facts here, but this is fact two. Cuomo helped industry group shield nursing home execs. Amid New York's exploding COVID death toll in April 2020, Cuomo's budget included a provision shielding hospital and nursing home executives from legal consequences if their corporate decisions killed people during the pandemic. Yeesh. <laughs> Greater New York Hospital Association said it drafted the provision, which did, not, which did not merely shield frontline care health workers from lawsuits, but also extend such liability protections to top corporate officials who make staffing and safety decisions. Hmm. 
Critics argued that shielding hospital and nursing home executives from the threat of lawsuits would remove deterrent to cost-cutting, profit-maximizing decisions that endangered lives. They were ignored. Again, not 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 pretty. Um, and like I said, this is all the backdrop of here. Let me go back to fact one. Cuomo's political machine received more than two million from Greater New York Hospital Association, uh, its executives and its lobbying firms in 2008, uh, 2018, sorry, during his government run. So they loaded up his campaign in 2018 when he had a hotly contested primary challenge uh, from uh, Cynthia Nixon. And then uh, when he uh, needed to come back, he could protect those folks uh, from consequences of their actions that he probably contributed to. I, I can't see how this is not a bigger story than it already is. You know why? He's I mean, the anti-Trump. And, and like I said, and this, it, it gets brought out there a little bit, but like it should be literally talked about as part of this whole thing. I mean, it should not be, dis, it, it should be a central part of this whole discussion. This is part of why I get so frustrated at our entire situation right now of Trump made everybody stupid. Trump made everybody dumber uh, somehow of because everybody, either the supporters and the detractors, both were like, it became too, he was too polarizing. It became all about him. So anything, if you were a supporter, anything that you did to criticize Trump was like, I can't believe that you would do such a thing. And the detractors, anything you said that was like a positive about Trump was like a, a sin. It was amazing to watch this in real time. But TDS on both sides. Yeah, for sure. Trump I've never devotion seen like syndrome Trump. is the, uh, I like that. So this one should be a bigger story, but it's not because this was how Cuomo was basically champion the entire time was he was the anti-Trump. That's how they positioned him. He was the science-backed guy that was calming the nation. He was America's governor, and he was leading us all through this, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Now the problem is that he lied. Uh, He was taking illicit campaign. I shouldn't say illicit. That's wrong. He was taking campaign donations and then passing favorable legislation for the people that gave him the donations. Some people would just call that par for the course of American politics. It is New York politics for it's sure. It's for sure New York politics. And this has been, I guess, my stance and to a large extent your stance of all along of Trump sucks, but it's not some new level of awful. It's not some new level of corruption that we've never seen. This is not some grave threat to democracy. Like, it's just He's, not. He was just the most recent player of the the, the, the tools given him, right? I mean, right. The, the tools are what's the problem, and he's just the guy. I mean, his personality obviously was <laughs> clearly polarizing, yes. but he is just like every other politician. The, the, the threat was not Donald Trump. The threat is the actual setup of the system right now. Right, and this is where some of the things I actually did like about Donald Trump was, listen, if Andrew Cuomo had been president when this all happened, you're telling me that he would not have assumed more executive power and done nationwide strategies and d- basically turned the United States into New York for that, however long they would have granted him the powers? Yeah. Of course I mean, he would have, yeah, because it's who he is. Yeah. He's, he's shown this. He's a micromanager, self-identified right. micromanager. So. I don't think, I, I guess <clears throat> this is a point of distinction I want to draw with everybody of, I don't think like there's some grand conspiracy behind all of this. Like I'm not skeptical of the vaccine because I think it's a secret microchipping weapon from China. That's not it. I think that anytime you have a problem and you turn to politicians, the answer 10 times out of 10 will be that politician. They are the one to solve the problem. They are the one to save the day. They are all egomaniacs. Not all, most. Most of them are this way. And then you get into a group think where it is a you're on one of these teams And it's the same way of, like, objectively, if you're a Bills fan trying to talk about Tom Brady. It's impossible. You hate the guy. 
It's impossible to speak objectively about him. I hate him. Not like personally hate him. I just obviously, you know what I'm saying? It's the same concept in politics. It's human psychology of this is becoming a, a herd mentality and a team mentality of your side is good, their side is evil. And when that happens, you lose all objectivity of Andrew Cuomo's performance on COVID-19 has been objectively horrific. As objective an analysis as you could give, it has been awful. Donald Trump's was bad, too. It wasn't as bad as Andrew Cuomo's, but it wasn't good. We got so many things wrong, and these people should be held responsible, and they never will be. That's the simple truth. I, I can't imagine how we got to this point, but if you're genuinely looking at Donald Trump and being like, God, he is the blood of all 450,000 people on his hands. Like, Well, how many does Cuomo get? And what are you prepared to do about it? They literally don't blame Cuomo for any of them. They just blame Trump for them, which is crazy. That's where the disconnect occurs. Yeah. Look, and that's just reality, the political it's a virus. It's not anybody's fault. I mean, maybe if it was actually created in Wuhan and they intentionally released it, yes, then it's their fault. Outside of that, even if it was created in a lab but it accidentally got out, I mean, yeah, you could argue like, yeah, well, they should have said something differently. Yeah, they could have, but it's China. You're going to get what you're going to get here. So instead, it's a life is fragile. At some point, you have to acknowledge we don't live forever, and there's a lot of stuff out there that can kill us, a virus being one of them. This particular virus was really problematic if you were over the age of life expectancy for a current human being right now. Then it was hugely, hugely scary. Other than that, it was a virus that was in line with other viruses that we have all learned how to deal with and accepted as a reality. You know how many people die of heart disease? Do we, do we outlaw everything bad for you? Can't. No, of course not, because at some point... Do you know how many people die in automobile accidents every day? We don't, we don't, we don't ban them. We don't, we don't prevent people from driving because there's still utility. In the same way of, look, keeping social distance, keeping kids out of school has been absolutely horrific. Like, we actually have to track preteen suicide now. I think that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Of the, I mean, I have children that age, and I can't... I'm not prepared to have those conversations with them because they are too young and innocent that the idea of discussing that with them seems nuts, but it's a thing that's happening. And the same with all these other horrific problems. We are a social being. We are a social animal. We don't function well when we're not around other people. I don't care if you think you're a loner. 99.99999% odds, you're not really. And that we need this human interaction. We need human connection. We need to go and see people, be around people, because that's how we've evolved to this point to be here. It's been so damaging what has happened over the last year. And splitting up into these two teams and not listening anymore. Like, everybody dismisses the science that doesn't support their side, even if there's no reason. Like, look, if you read a study and you can point out a problem with the methodology, great. That is not the same thing as just saying, well, it's garbage because it's in this this entity. Like, listen, all of these entities have now published bad data. Every one of them. You can't immediately dismiss it. If you look through the data, it becomes pretty obvious what the pattern is. And that's the biggest concern right now is we're not listening to each other any longer. This has gotten to the point. That's why we're here right now. Because any objective, we have a year of data to look back on. How helpful were masks? They weren't. How helpful was social distancing? It wasn't. How helpful, how helpful were school closures? They weren't. How helpful were business shutdowns? They weren't. They weren't. They had no meaningful impact on any of these numbers. 
that's something we have to learn to live with. And and even back then, if we had been actively looking at real data, if we weren't being driven by fear, and that's what politicians thrive on, is if they can make you afraid, you give them more power. Media organizations, if they make you afraid, you tune in and read more. When were you reading more articles on CNN? Last March or this February? Probably last March because the news was bad and you were scared. And that's okay. It's human, it's human nature. It's what you're going to do. But as we did all that, we ignored the very real evidence that just said, hey, why don't we go the path of least oppression and the path of least negative consequences to say, look, is there any downside to having people encouraging people to take more vitamin D? Yeah, no. Do you know how much you have to take to overdose or even get into a, like a dangerous level of vitamin D? It's an insane number. And same with uh, hydroxychloroquine. Of All right, it's been around for 55 years, nursing women, pregnant women, old, young. Everybody takes this thing with very minimal, unless you have one specific heart condition. Maybe we should look at everybody else, at least telling doctors, hey, there is some data to indicate it's allowed, but we're not going to say yes or no to it. We're, just, we're not going to come out and trash it for a month straight based on faulty data and bad science. We're not going to do that. That would have been enough. We could have gotten to such a better outcome with so much less negative consequences. But the problem was we wanted perfect. We wanted to make it so that nobody died. And that's not possible. Maybe it's a design flaw of the And not really nobody died. Nobody died from COVID, right? Because right. clearly they just prioritized COVID deaths over all other deaths. Yeah, and then they define COVID deaths as so so broad of a number. Like, it was crazy that, that nobody wants to look at it and just be like, well, wait a minute. The guy that died in a car accident obviously didn't die from COVID. Yeah, but he had COVID. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. But I, I don't, I, I got nothing here. I don't know what to tell you. That's That's crazy talk. And this is the problem with being on a team. This is my overarching despise of our current system. You're not looking at real numbers. You're not looking at real information. You just want to be confirmed on your biases, and you just want to have been right all along. And these politicians know it. These news media organizations know it, and they know exactly how to play everybody against each other so that instead of all of us coming together and looking around and saying, you know what, you're harming people. This is not good and you're not having any impact. Give us the data that shows this is helpful. You get back in response of like, well, can you prove that it's not helping? No, that's not how this works, Chief. You're supposed to prove your case. I don't have to prove a negative. You have to tell me in nine months if you can't establish that group of people wearing masks with high compliance stops the spread of COVID. Why are we wearing two? I genuinely consider that a question. If we started wearing them in New York State last April, it was mid-April. So from mid-April to the end of February, we've got about a 10-month window. In 10 months, can we establish anywhere where they've had a noticeable, predictable effect? No, is the answer. So why are we still wearing them? Because it feels right. Like, that's what's so insane to I me. I know. They have no impact. It's obvious that they have no impact because the damn thing the, keeps it's, spreading. It's, it's exactly what you said before. It's the, the, the easier to be fooled than to convince them they've been fooled thing. So not, it, it makes too much sense for them to be unconvinced that they don't work. And that's, that, listen, I, I actually think that they may be doing harm. I, I just posted a study today. Uh, they're talking about how when these these masks are, when, when the the, the the, the virus gets caught in this mass that it basically gets a little bit smaller and travels a little bit farther than six feet, up, upwards to 18 to 20 feet. So they're, they're, they're actually just 
accelerating the spread, I feel like. So, and real quick, I know we're, uh, we're a little bit, uh, past the hour here Sorry, and we didn't touch on, um, I don't want to touch on the emergency powers. We kind of talked about that last week and there, but I will say that one of the co-signers of the removal of the emergency powers, uh, assemblyman, uh, Ron Kim, uh, Queens, I believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there was a Senator Alessandro Biaggi, I think is the, uh, Senate sponsor. Um, but Ron Kim has kind of put himself into the news and gotten into the news because during all this, uh, uh, his story goes that, uh, the Cuomo's administration asked him to kind of walk back some of his statements and sign a letter basically, you know, saying that, um, that the timing of the, uh, investigation and the assembly being made aware of the investigation, uh, was in a timeline that fit. Uh, a preferred narrative by the governor's office. And Ron Kim basically said, no, I'm not doing that because it's a lie. Proceeded to get berated by his words, berated by the governor for 10 minutes uh, and used the words, uh, the governor in reference to Ron Kim, he will destroy him. Uh, I'm assuming politically destroy, not, uh, you know, it's going to be some mortal combat uh, thing in the back, but um, I'm assuming that he is going to, uh, or uh, insinuated that he was going to, uh, you know, end or, or significantly sabotage his political career. And uh, Kim has been a little bit outspoken against the governor in the past. Uh, so this is not probably new, but I think it just goes to the character of the, of the governor, right? I don't think this is new behavior or anybody who's been paying attention. The mayor, de Blasio had come out and said, Hey, no, Ron Kim's not the first person to get that call. He won't be the last person to get that call. And de Blasio basically said, he's gotten that call. Other politicians have said they've gotten that call. Or a call, similarly, from uh, one of his uh, spokesmen, uh, who will remain nameless here. Um, the dude's a bully, right? I mean, the dude's a thug. The dude is a crime boss, and he acts like it every single freaking day. And he is so thin-skinned, in large part, and my take, is because he does everything is on the... T- everything is shady to him. Like, he has, he has all these dealings going on where everything is underhanded, and at the risk of being, you know, shed light on he just reacts like a bully and is very vindictive and pushes back as hard and aggressive as he possibly can, knowing that he has massive amounts of political power in the state. I hope that it ends. I think that there is a growing movement that it could end. I think that there's enough, again, momentum on the side of, it, you know, a, a surely a, a removal of the, of those emergency powers I think that the Democrats are going to have to primary him with some credible candidate in 2022 to actually remove him. Cause I don't think that impeachment is likely or I know he's not going to resign, but I think that the likelihood is there now uh, more than it's ever been anyway. More, you know, I, I, I think that there is a concerted movement to not want governor Cuomo to have a fourth term in his own party. The fact that this is not a given is the saddest indictment That's of the tribal our nature of it, state sure. of, of politics in our state, and it's nationwide too. Yeah. It's not just our state. It's there. This should be the most blatantly obvious case of. Never mind. Should he run again? Never mind. Should he resign? Which, yes, but okay, fine. The fact that we can't even get close to unanimous agreement on. Yeah, we should at least take away his emergency powers, seeing as how he has done nothing but use them to cover up his own dealings and self-enrichment. Yes, guys, a book deal is self-enrichment, but I don't know where he found the time to write that book, Lessons in Leadership at Halftime of COVID. Seems a little weird on the timing front to me. Again, maybe people should have been asking more questions then, but that's neither here nor there. Um, 
taking campaign donations from hospitals and giving liability protection for people dying in them is again, you know, I'm not saying it's inherently illegal because it's, it's probably not, but it seems a little wrong. Yeah, it's inappropriate. It's, like I said, it's just Shady one word. It's just if it's it was just the only more, thing, it wouldn't be bad. But it's one part right, of the whole just, thing. He's he's just got a, a so much going on, and that I you know. How can we not all agree that he should lose his, his powers? Right. How is that not the most baseline thing of like, all right, guys? And is he still the chair of the National Governors Association too? I, I mean, can we move that too? I mean, like, I don't care. People about should. That. I know, but I mean, it's like they should figure it out. Like, I mean, it shouldn't be us calling it out. Like, people, people with actually real power should be able to do this. So, all right, I, I, I think we covered that pretty good. Um, I'm assuming we'll touch on that again next week. Um, anything else you want to finish up on there before uh, we get the folks out of here? Nah. We've covered a lot today. All right. I do want to kind of do a little bit of promotion here, guys. Uh, one of our, we, we had him on, I don't remember what episode now, I'd have to go back and look, but Ben Davidson, uh, who is our space weather guru guy, uh, he has come out with a new book, The Next End of the World, The Rebirth of Catastrophism, right? So this is authored by Ben Davidson, very short book, very easy to read. Really uplifting, good messages in there. I have two books. So I bought one for me and one for you guys. Um... Ben has agreed to come back on to the show to talk about the book, uh, probably sometime early mid-March. Uh, I'm going to give away one of the copies of the book here to one of you uh, beautiful audience members. And uh, I haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to do that yet, but it'll involve you making sure you like and subscribe and hit the notification bell, I'm sure. Maybe even leave a comment because I need uh, engagement from you guys to kind of push the uh, YouTube channel. So, uh, but be prepared for that. Uh, I will read it and we'll kind of do a little bit of a feedback on that book. Um, and I will make sure to uh, post the uh, the interview date as soon as I get that settled with uh, Mr. Davidson. So on that note, I thank you all for tuning in. I thank you all for listening uh, to uh, the latest version of Sports Clicks and Politics. And we will see you all next Monday.